Turning Point Coaching and Consulting presents Kairos Conversations, Connecting with Quality, the podcast. Kairos is Greek for the right time, the right season, and the right opportunity. This podcast features healthcare quality professionals who share their journeys, their advice, their struggles, how they made that transition into a new and exciting role. My heart's desire is that you find this podcast to be inspirational to you as you make your own journey. Don't forget to share this podcast with your colleagues and friends and rate us on whichever podcast platform you listen to. Thank you for being here. Today, I am joined by my good friend, Brittany Costello. Thank you for being here, Brittany. Thanks for having me, Brandy. All right, so let's start by introducing yourself to the audience. Hello, everybody. My name is Brittany Costello. I am currently a director of quality and risk. Let's see, my background, I actually started in healthcare as a front office check-in at an um, OBGYN clinic, oddly enough, and kind of moved into um, an office manager position at different specialty offices and primary care offices. When uh, one day, my manager knew I wanted to do new and better things, he offered me to take a Lean Six Sigma Yellow Belt course, and I did it and kind of fell in love, literally had the quality bug kind of just take over my world. I loved the idea that I could go into an environment and find something that frustrated somebody or somebody that it's something that made them unhappy with their job and I could make it better for them. So long story short, I ended up doing a Lean Six Sigma poster exhibit and won and was talking to the judges and I was saying, man, I wish I could just do this every day. And they said, well, there, there is positions you can do this every day um, and ended up getting a performance improvement specialist role at a local hospital and kind of went on from there and did some more Lean Six Sigma courses and ended up into a director of quality and risk position, which I'm currently in now. That is so cool. I love how you transition to these different roles over time. And I love it also because because you're not clinical and because you started out in front office, I think sometimes people have limiting beliefs on where they are and where they can be. And if I have a certain background, I can't do this other thing. But you've just smashed that to bits <laughs> <laughs> with your background. So I just love it. I just love it. So you talked a little bit about it already, but what what really excites you about healthcare quality and what made you switch from a performance improvement role where you did that all the time to a more of a director executive role? Oh, that's a tough one. So in my current role, to give you a background of it, I do quality risk accreditation and patient satisfaction just to kind of wrap it all up there. But what I truly do love is the quality. And that's what I prior um, my prior role did was just quality all day long. Um, some roles, though, some hospitals that are smaller, they don't have those separate positions. They kind of do lump them in. So that's why I ended up taking on everything. I'm not going to lie. The risk part is not my favorite. <laughs> but I do truly love what I do and where I work and the people I work with. So it kind of helps helps with that. But the quality part, you know, ideally, if you're doing quality right, you don't have risk. So if you can balance it out that way, you can do what you love and a little bit of what you don't like. 
Okay, so going back to your performance improvement role, what kind of performance improvement projects were you doing in that role? Everything under the sun, really. So I was in a very large, um, over 600 bed rural um, uh, academic healthcare center. And we did different kind of projects like, um, you know, throughput of getting the patients out of the hospital faster. We did little projects such as working on um, turnaround times of heart casts or anything like that. So we, we were kind of deployed to the different areas of the hospital and said, here's a problem work with this team and help fix it. So we helped facilitate the team, use the tools that we know in quality to help fix those problems. We typically would run with maybe 20 to 30 projects at a time. Um, Some would be more intense than others, but we kind of had a full load of quality projects all day long. So when you were making that transition, either from front office to performance improvement or from performance improvement to the director role, did you encounter any barriers with that career transition? Yeah, absolutely. So from working as like an office manager in a primary care or a specialist setting to the performance improvement, I had to have that background in quality. So I didn't have any working experience in it, but I did have the Lean Six Sigma Yellow Belt course. Um, typically in those type of performance improvement things, they either want a yellow belt or a green belt. Um, I just had a fresh yellow belt, really kind of one project underneath my belt, no pun intended there. (laughs) Um, so, so they took a chance on me, right? They, they didn't have to hire somebody that didn't have experience. So luckily they knew me through the course and they knew me with the exhibit. So they did take a chance on me, but that wasn't the standard. And then when I transitioned from a performance improvement to the director role, typically those roles are given to a clinician, whether it be, um, you know, a therapist, a nurse, a respiratory therapist, somebody that typically wants to stop working on the bedside and start working in the quality role. So that's a hard sell. So I have no clinical background whatsoever, never have wanted to work bedside. And I had to sell myself as to what I could bring to the table without having that license behind my name. So what I would ended up doing was getting multiple Lean Six Sigma's belts. So I am a black belt in Lean Six Sigma. I also have a certification in CPHQ. So I have that those titles behind my name to help help support my role that I can do it. And then also too, one thing you have to remember that If you go into a project and you don't know anything about the process, that actually is the upper hand. So if you're trying to fix pick lines or midlines or something, and you have a clinical background of doing pick lines and midlines for 20 years, you're biased. You have a biased opinion of how it's supposed to go. Versus me, I go into it and I ask all sorts of questions (laughs) from tell me why you do this or what made you do that? Or why did you do that? And I ask more questions and it kind of gets you to think a little bit more about why you're doing something so you can see it from a different perspective. So I use those two things to my advantage and they, again, took a chance on me in the director role. And, um, you know, it's it's been a blast, absolutely, in a director position and being able to expand my quality, my quality repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hi, friend. Are you listening to this podcast wondering how you can start your own journey into healthcare quality? Or maybe you've already started, but you're hitting some roadblocks and getting stuck at the application process. Well, my friend, I've got a free resource for you. After you finish listening to this episode, head on over to my website and grab the ebook, Top Three Mistakes Clinicians Make When Transitioning into a Non-Clinical Role. The link will be in the show notes section. Now, enjoy the rest of the episode. So what advice would you give someone in similar shoes um, to you who is wanting to make that transition and maybe they feel like they don't have the background or maybe they are a clinician, but they feel they're hitting the nurse barrier. So the per- they, they feel like they have to be a nurse to get this role. What kind of advice would you give them? I mean, I would probably just say beef up your resume with other things. So you can go and even as a working nurse, you can still do PI projects and you can still submit them for posters and, um, you know, podium presentations and things like that. You can do those things. There's tons and tons and tons of conferences to submit to, but also just getting those belts, getting that training underneath you. So you have those tools to be successful. So a lot of time when I encounter with people clinicians or non-clinicians that try to get into the quality world is they don't know the tools to go into this role. And you can be successful some of the times, you know, throwing sticky notes at the wall. Occasionally you'll get one that'll stick, but it's better if you can just throw one at the wall and it'll stick. And those are those tools that you need. So take the courses, whether they be online or in-person or with somebody that's in the quality world. And it may just be like one little tool at a time. It doesn't have to be a huge class. But take the courses, learn the tools so that you can speak intelligently and be successful. No one wants to get into a job they can't do. So what kind of projects can they take on? Um, I know you mentioned pick lines and mid lines. And um, I think you made a great point about not knowing the process. You have a better way of figuring out what's wrong with the process or what things can be improved with the process. But what other projects could people get involved in entry level before they get to, before they get into a role like yours while they're trying to build those skills? So I actually get that a lot of time of in my current role, there's different departments that are required to do a performance improvement project. And I get all the time, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to work on? There's nothing to work on. So I always challenge them with that. So my first thing is, is, what truly aggravates you? What's that one thing that aggravates you that you have to do maybe every day or every other day? Or what's something that takes a lot of your time away? Uh-huh. Right? So time is one of our most important things and, you know, as an employee. So we want to make sure that we're minimizing our times or minimizing our errors. So look at those two things. And if it's something as simple as every single day I go and I open this drawer and it gets stuck. And I have to stick my hand in there and I have to push it down and to get it to come opened, right? Okay, that's something that's aggravating you. So look at that process and see what's going on. Maybe something needs to be moved. Maybe it's too full, you know, whatever it may be. But look at those two things first um, and see if you can find it and then start small. So don't go trying to solve the hospital's length of stay, right? <laughs> start right. small. Start really small, something that's within your department, within just maybe just your discipline. Don't go multidisciplinary and just start really small. And it could just be something as like, we did a project of organizing the Pixis machine, right? I mean, something small like that, that can truly make a difference and make an impact, but kind of get your feet wet. 
Yeah, that's really good. And um, one question that I get a lot, a lot, and I think is a very good question. And so if you're open to answering it, um, what does a day in the life in your current role <laughs> look like? You know, what what is a typical day? I know no two days look the same. Yeah. <laughs> your day, right? But what's a, what does a quote unquote typical day, typical day look like for someone who doesn't even know what you do or what a quality risk director is? Yeah. So today, if you ask me, <laughs> today I wore my accreditation hat today, but um, that's not a typical day. So if you're looking at a position like what I'm currently in that wears multiple hats, like what we do. So my typical day would be starting with anything that's a high alert risk thing that's happened overnight because we're not there 24-7. So we have to look at those things first. Um, and then we're looking at our current projects because remember what I said, if we if we focus on just the risk stuff and we focus on putting out those fires, we're never going to stop them from burning. So we have to figure and de- devote time to working on our quality projects so that our risk minimizes. Um, so I always focus on one project a day, whether that be a you know huge multidisciplinary project that I've got going, or maybe I just need to work on the side or you know get my notes together or something like that on another project. And then after that, it kind of is reading through the other hats. So I'm working on patient satisfaction. Uh, I spend probably at least an hour a day on patient satisfaction, rounding on patients, rounding on employees, things like that. And then I throw in occasional. Um, 30 minutes to an hour of accreditation, whether that be working on action plans or doing some spot checks in the hospital or educating staff. But, you know, you got to find that balance between that risk and quality. Quality. Always being ready. When you say accreditation, for those who may not know the intricacies of it, that is really keeping the hospital ready for any surveyor that shows up any random day. Any random day. (laughs) (laughs) But so also too, like, When I was in my prior role, just doing quality, my day would kind of start on working and following up with people. So in quality, heads up for anybody who's thinking about getting into quality, we do a lot of, hey, did you do this? (laughs) Hey, just following up on this action item. Or hey, we've got a reminder meeting coming up. I need you to do this. So we don't do a lot of the work, right? We're helping facilitating the work. We might bring the tools. We might look at the data, but we're not the ones that are going to the frontline staff and saying, hey, we got to change this process on how you do X, Y, or Z. So that's up to the leader that's in your performance improvement plan or performance improvement project to go and do. We're helping facilitate those conversations, giving them options, helping them with change management, that sort of thing. So a lot of our job is saying, hi, it's me again. <laughs> I love that you said that, Brittany, because it's so important for people to know that quality touches every other department, yeah. literally from facilities to dietary, to the kitchen, to maintenance, to nursing and therapy and pharmacy, so everything. And like you say, we have to lead by influence, right? Because these other departments don't report to us and they have their own priorities. Not that they don't care about quality, but they're trying to make sure they have a nurse or a therapist to see the patient that day. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make sure that the patients are getting what they need in that moment. Are they getting their meds on time? Are they getting their therapy minutes or whatever that looks like? And so we're coming around supporting the work that they do 
and helping to facilitate the improvement, reminding them, bringing it back top of mind. Mm -hmm. And so all that to say, if you're not someone, if someone is listening and you don't like repeating yourself, (laughs) this might not be the role for you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and so you kind of touched on it too, like in our, in the role of quality, you have to be able to have that emotional intelligence, that change management, that influential style, the leadership style to help facilitate everybody. So one thing I absolutely love, and it's probably just back to a childhood thing, but in quality, you know, the phrase stay in your lane kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We don't have lanes. Like we get the whole highway. <laughs> so we have to make sure we know what's happening in everybody's department and how if we do this in this department, it's going to influence this in this department. So we're involved in everything in the hospital. We attend every meeting. So if you don't like meetings, quality is not for you. But <laughs> so, and, you know, we have to know what's going to happen when we make all of these changes. So there's a lot of back work that you can also do of learning how to help influence all these different departments to be successful. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And another thing I want people to know, and hopefully you can speak to this too, but you don't have, and as a quality professional, you don't have to be the expert at the table. You have to be able to bring the experts to the table and facilitate the conversation. And if your goal is to go into a role like this, then that's how you sell yourself. You sell yourself as someone who can bring the teams together. Yeah, I'm never the expert. <laughs> never, <laughs> never, ever, ever the expert. Yeah, absolutely. You have to know how to make your PI team together so that you're there to facilitate the conversation and bring the tools to help do it. Yeah, because it's you, you're helping people to think in a different way. You're helping them go down a, a process to think through how does this, how is this supposed to occur? How is it really occurring? And how do we bridge the gap and make it sustainable? Because if you have this, you know, all-encompassing, brilliant plan of how to fix this thing, but it's too complicated or you haven't involved the right people or you haven't thought through how it's going to affect something else downstream, then you've wasted your time. Mm-hmm. And everyone else's. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> so anything else you would share with someone who wanted to take a similar journey, whether it's into your current role or into a role like your prior role or just into quality in general? So someone who wants to get into this role, if you're thinking that this is a role, oh, I'm just going to step out from the bedside, you know, I just want to get behind a desk. That's not this role, right? So this role is somebody that's inquisitive, someone that wants to make things better, someone that asks a lot of questions, someone that can look at it, like you said, from a different point of view. That's what this position needs. This position is someone that is going to do that. You have to stay organized because you got to be able to manage all that. You have to have that change management skill. You have to have that leadership ability. And it, it's really awesome. Like I could never see myself doing anything else other than quality. Just being able to, like I said from the beginning, helping people be happier at their job is just makes the world of a difference for me. Yeah, and I just thought of something else because another question that I get frequently uh, when people want to leave the bedside or make that switch is they want a, a, a role that's 
100% remote. There are some quality roles that are remote, can be remote, but some of them, there is some benefit to being in person, building rapport, having people know you. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, so um, there's almost two different kind of positions. So if you're looking for 100% remote behind a computer kind of thing, that's more on the data side of it. So like a data analytics, or I've heard them sometimes called like data scientists, that sort of thing. So those are your very proficient in Excel, maybe even some coding kind of background. Those are people that are going to look at it. They're going to pull the data from your EMR, um, your medical health record system, your medical record system, and they're going to abstract the data, right? Crunch all the numbers, that sort of thing. And then you've got your performance improvement quality driven people. And these are the ones that are going to go into the, the actual where the work is happening and they're going to help facilitate that. Now, COVID has changed a lot of that. So I have seen in a larger facility, some performance improvements projects actually go remote where they're doing 100% of their work on Zoom or WebEx or whatever it may be. And that adds a whole nother layer of complex complexities. <laughs> Trust me, trying to get 10 people on Zoom to work on a PI project and they don't turn their cameras on is, is a whole nother blogging. Absolutely. Because I mean, it's not that it's impossible to be done. It's just finding the right role and knowing the nuances so you can make the best decision for that, right? Yeah. Um, because certain things, certain roles are best done in person. And yes. other roles are okay to be remote. It's just finding the right role that's going to fit what you need, what's going to fuel you, and you know what's going to be best for the particular project or team that you're that you're working with or working on. Or it could be a blended too, you know. And in my current role, when I just did PI, it was blend. So we worked remotely some days and then we came into the office on some days. If we need had an in-person meeting, we would go to there. If not, we didn't have to, essentially. So you can find those blended roles too now. The best of both worlds. How, how did you like it that way versus the way you are now, which is pretty much 100% on site? Um, I think it's really just a personal preference. Um, I mean, I truly like getting out and getting into the hustle and bustle of everything, having, I love talking to the patients and um, getting that side of it. So I wouldn't be successful if I was stayed at home and worked 24 seven, because that's my personality, but it's not, it's not for everybody. And it's, you know, either way, it's what works best for you. Absolutely. All right. The question that I ask everyone is what was your defining point? I would say my defining point would be when I took that Lane Six Sigma Yellow Belt course and was speaking to the the judges afterwards saying, I wish I could just do this every day and had no idea that quality even was a thing that people could work on every day. Um, that's probably my my changing of my whole entire career. <laughs> and how long ago was that between then and now? Let's see. I've been in my current role for almost two years. Prior to that, probably two years. So maybe about five years. Okay. So it was a journey. You didn't go to that presentation, talk to those judges, and the next week you were in quality. Oh, no. No. <laughs> no, I was probably, you know, with HR and hiring and everything like that. It was probably about six months later before I got into the PI role. And 
stayed there, got some PI projects under my belt for a couple of years, and then was um, offered the director role. Awesome. All right. So how can people connect with you, Brittany? So I am on LinkedIn. That is the best way to get in touch with me. And feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions about my role or just quality topics. I love to teach. I absolutely love to help people with different tools in the healthcare quality world or quality world in general. So let me know if you need anything. I'm always here. Awesome. Well, I really, really, really enjoyed our conversation. For those who don't know, Brittany and I met at a job that we share at the same company. Um, we work together and I've really gotten to know Brittany over the last couple of years. She is fabulous, may I say. So I really have enjoyed our conversation and thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Brandy. Thank you so much for listening to the show. It would mean a lot if you would share this episode with a friend or a colleague. I would be honored to encourage them in their journey too.